Welcome to the Legal Toolkit, bringing you the latest legal trends and business initiatives to help you manage your law firm. Here are your hosts, experienced lawyers, writers, and entrepreneurs, Heidi Alexander and Jared Correa. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome to another episode of the Legal Toolkit on the Legal Talk Network. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a first-time listener, hopefully you'll become a long-time listener. I'm your host, Jared Correa, and in addition to casting this pod, I'm the Assistant Director and Senior Law Practice Advisor at the Massachusetts Law Office Management Assistance Program. LOMAP provides free and confidential law practice management consulting services to Massachusetts attorneys. For more information on LOMAP's offerings, visit our website at masslomap.org. You can buy my book, Twitter in One Hour for Lawyers, from the American Bar Association on iTunes or at Amazon. My co-host, Heidi Alexander, is with you again next month when you will have only to pine for my return. In the meantime, if you're fiending for podcasts, check out our Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Show, where we're in the process of releasing an exclusive set of interviews called The Summer of Lunch. Hashtag Summer of Lunch. But back here on the Legal Toolkit, we provide you each month with a new tool to add to your own legal toolkit so that your practices will become more and more like best practices. Now, in this episode, we're going to talk about email, how we all wish it would just go away, and whether or not it ever actually will. The history and future of an entire communications medium in a half an hour or less. I guess where we're going, we don't need roads. Our guest today, Ryan Anderson, is the founder and CEO of FileVine a project management and collaboration tool for lawyers and consumer professionals. Ryan is also a founding partner and trial attorney at Bighorn Law. In only five years, Bighorn has grown from two attorneys in Nevada to 70 employees across four states. Ryan's a father of four, a cycling fanatic, and a workaholic. Of course, right? Well, Ryan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jared. Thanks for having me. All right, great. All right, let's bang a gong and get it on here. Now, Ryan, how does this work exactly? You've got four kids you founded and managed a law firm, you founded and managed a software company, and you like to cycle. So do you have like a laptop built into the handlebars and the kids are riding in the back? Just logistically, how do you manage all this stuff? We just do that on the weekends, Jared. But you know <laughs> what I can tell you is, uh, first of all, it's not always pretty, but we do make it work. You know, I, I'm lucky to have a wife who is graciously taken on the role of uh, mother to our four children full time. And so she handles that. But in all seriousness, the, you know, delegation is a really big part of it. I kind of look at what we've been able to do. And I remember hiring that first employee and, and thinking, geez, will we have enough to pay this person? Is it really the right move? And it, it seems to me to be the case that every time we've hired somebody and brought on more capacity, you know, it tends to increase what we can do for our clients, for our employees, and, you know, gives us the ability to focus on larger uh, issues, be more creative at the firm. And so I think that's part of it is really just being able to delegate um, and, and grow. So that's, that's how we've done it. I, I certainly uh, can't say that it's been easy, um, but that's, that's kind of been the, the secret sauce. That and, and long hours, I'm not going to lie about that. <laughs> And you remember to thank your wife, which is very important, right? Right. Um, right. <laughs> probably the most important thing. All right. So in the first half of the show, I think we're going to talk a little bit about email, and then we'll talk about some broader subjects moving on. But first of all, so Mark Twain once said something like, the reports of my death have been greatly exaggerated. So do you really think email is on the way out? 
Yes, I do. In its current form, I do. Uh, and that's kind of a sensational remark, but the way we use email today will not be the way we use email in two or three years, certainly in five years. Mm-hmm. There's some specific reasons for that, and let me get into them. First of all, email was and is a system that is open. And so it's an open protocol, meaning that anybody in the world, if they have Jared's email or my email, can essentially contact me and kind of insert themselves into my life. And, and you know, that's, that's a problem. Uh, the idea that we kind of publish our to-do lists to the world in an open format that doesn't restrict access has grown to be a major, a major problem for corporations, for individuals, for lawyers. You know, I was actually listening to a podcast uh, on, on this very network a few days ago, and this lawyer was receiving 200 emails a day and handling them phenomenally well. Um, in fact, I'd recommend anybody go back and listen to that. Mm. But 200 emails a day isn't something we should aspire to. Uh, <laughs> and so, so, so I think the problem is, you know, I kind of view email like this, and, and and feel free to you know ask me any follow up questions. But I I view it as oh don't worry I will <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Where it ought to exist is kind of in the front office, so to speak, and virtually. So you know we do our work in the back office, which really ought to be a separate system. And so you know people can kind of come into the front office, they can kind of knock on your door, see who's there, alert the the world. But that second step of actually getting into your workflow, that needs to be in a different place. That needs to be done in a different place virtually on your computer. You know, whatever system you might use is fine, but actually going and doing your day-to-day work in your email inbox is a very bad idea. Let's let's stick with sort of the Mark Twain theme for a second here. Mark Twain, although this is not his quote, people often attribute it to him, said, uh, I didn't attend the funeral, but I sent a nice letter saying I approved of it. (laughs) <laughs> now, is this how you feel about email? Is it sort of like you're fine with no email, it sounds like, and you think this is a good thing? Absolutely, I think it's a good thing. Now, again, email is probably a necessary function of our lives um, and will be for a long time, but its role is going to be limited. Uh, we're no longer going to use it as a de facto to-do list. It will become more and more a place where, uh, you know, I, I think – as we develop tools to manage email, it'll be really a place where people kind of come to contact us and those who we want in our circle of, of work that actually is getting done and those who we want to collaborate with on a daily basis about a particular project. Right now, most of the world has those daily collaborations inside an email inbox. That doesn't make any sense at all. There's no reason that should be next. You know, your, your emails about a big project you're doing should be right next to emails about uh, Viagra, right? That doesn't make any sense at all. And yet our email inbox kind of um, gives them the same billing, right? I mean, you yeah. can have your biggest yeah. case and, you know, discussing negotiations on your very biggest file. And at the same time, you know, you've got, you've got mail from, from Microsoft or wherever it might be mm-hmm. sitting next to it is junk. So it's just not a good way to organize and manage uh, your cases, your projects, all the things that you're doing. So I think... We're developing tools. Uh, you know, my company is, and other companies are doing a great job at this as well. As well, of getting things out of the email inbox that should be there, and getting the people out of your email inbox that really shouldn't be there. Communicating with them in a different way, in a more secure way, in kind of a trusted system. 
So let me tell you how I feel about email. I feel like email is your obnoxious drunk uncle. You know he's going to show up at Christmas even if you have a new address you haven't told him about. <laughs> so let's let's move on. So we both we both appreciate that maybe email is not the best way to communicate. So let me ask you this, especially as a young lawyer, which you are, what other communication methods do you find effective if you want to avoid email? Yeah, you know, it's it's a really good question, Jared. I was at a uh, paralegal conference. You know, I, I travel around a lot talking about um, Filevine and uh, was fortunate to speak to uh, a group of paralegals uh, the other day. And when I asked them, I assumed uh, that they all used chat, uh, mm-hmm. some sort of chat app at their office. Yeah. And so I asked this group of, I'm going to say about 50 paralegals, how many used it? And about two or three paralegals raised their hands. That was shocking to me. I, I didn't think that would be the case. I thought chat would be much more widely adopted, and, and maybe it is. And this was a bad sample, but uh, you know, I do think a lot of offices still aren't using chat now. There's a lot of tools that have chat out there. Uh, you can use chat right from your email inbox if you're using Google. Skype uh, has a chat app. Uh, one of my favorite chat apps is one called Slack. Um, yeah, and, yeah, a lot and of people a, like that. Yeah, and then uh, uh, you know. Uh, we think Filevine is a, a phenomenal chat app, um, and what that does is it actually keeps your communications within the project as you're chatting. So we like that, um, but every tool has its uh, good and bad, and you know I think I would encourage people to find one that's right for their firm, but boy, you can really get a lot done without having to, to interrupt people. The other thing I would say is, and, and you know I kind of look at this if I can wax philosophical for a minute, Jared. Go for it. Uh, we have um, kind of a, a theory of interruption that we've developed um, at, at Bighorn Law and now in, uh, in Filevine. And the theory is basically that as urgency increases, more intrusive means of communication are allowable. But the less urgent, the least intrusive communication method, method should be used so that you're interrupting people the least amount possible. So, you know, a face-to-face meeting is totally appropriate. You know, you can pop into somebody's office if you've got a, you know, a judge on the phone or some super important issue. Mm-hmm. But you probably shouldn't pop into somebody's office to ask them about a case where nothing needs to be done for the next 45 days. And it's going to take everybody 15 minutes just to look at the file and figure out what the next step is. That's probably not a good time to jump into somebody's office. So, you know, I put chat pretty low on the scale, but even lower than that is project management. And I Mm -hmm. really think that every lawyer will adopt some form of project management tool in the next uh, two to five years Mm -hmm. because that's where you're going to get kind of the flow of communication out of your email inbox and into the case files in a way that is completely unintrusive to users. So those are two tools I would recommend right off the bat are project management and, uh, and chat apps. Of course, there's, there's video chat. There's a whole bunch yep. of other things, but, but I'd recommend those too. And that's good stuff. And I, I think the underlying thing that you're talking about as well is connectivity, getting the important information into sort of the same place. In the meantime, though, if folks are on Gchat, you can still talk to your significant other and friends and family until work is overtaken by chat as well. So, <laughs> so let's change the topic just a little bit. Um, we're talking about productivity, I think, in a lot of ways. But to be productive, people have to eliminate distractions or reduce distractions. So what are some of your best tips for people to reduce the amount of interruptions they get in any given day? First of all, we have instituted at our firm, and you know, I'm sure a lot of firms have something like this, but we've instituted a, a hard policy 
called quiet time. Uh, it sounds like something a, a five-year-old might do, and, and maybe that's what makes it good. <laughs> Daycare, uh, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, uh, that, that may not be an, an inappropriate analogy sometimes. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, and we have wonderful employees, but what we've figured out is that you actually need to schedule the time to do work. I think my first employer said, hey, work expands uh, to fill the time you give it. And I think that's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, what we say is, hey, uh, two days a week, uh, we block out four hours. Um, I think in the morning on one day and the afternoon on another. And we literally say, you're not allowed to take a phone call unless it's an emergency. Um, and we need it to be quiet. People shouldn't be chit-chatting at the office. There shouldn't be, you know, text messages, whatever the case may be. It should just be you. Uh, kind of knows the grindstone working, and then of course the rest the rest of the time is just a normal office atmosphere. But yeah. that kind of gives everybody an excuse to say, "Hey, don't interrupt me. I'm in my you know, I'm in my quiet time. I need to complete the cycles that are part of this uh, mm-hmm. period." And that's been very helpful for us. Yeah, that's a great idea. And you know, you get at least eight hours of work out of your employees during the, during right. the week, right? <laughs> By the way, right. Bighorn Law. I like that a lot. I think I should come on as of counsel. That's a there cool offer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I can be quiet though. I don't so make. Well, we have work. all these employees. They they know they only have eight hours of work. But no, <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we we love our people and they do great work. But the quiet time idea is a good idea. Any other methods you use to reduce interruptions that you want to talk about? Yeah, so we're a big fan of uh, stand-up meetings that we do uh, once a week with each. You know, we we work on kind of a case manager basis where each case manager has a, a set of files, and we like to have those conversations. Typically, standing up. It sounds kind of silly and a little new agey, but if people are standing up, they're a lot less comfortable, um, and believe it or not, they get a lot more done. They're uh, you know kind of quickly roll through the important things. There's less chit-chat and less kind of philosophical discussion about the world, and you actually move things forward. And, and we do that once a week, and that kind of outlines the, the program for the rest of the week. And those are mandatory meetings uh, every week, and we think those are, are very valuable. And then I would just step back and talk about, again, this kind of continuum of interruption uh, that we discussed before. You should, you should communicate appropriately. So not every... Uh, conversation requires an in-person pop into the office. Not every communication requires a phone call. I'll tell you, you know, we talk about the death of email. Phone calls are are a close second, in my opinion. Uh, You know, when the phone rings, you don't know what it's about. And so you don't know if somebody's calling to tell you something incredibly important or something that can totally wait. (laughs) Yet your phone's ringing and bothering you. And, you know, you have to make that decision and you don't know. Uh, so we're a big fan of, of text messages. Uh, we think that's a far better way to handle things. That way you're not interrupting somebody and, and you know, the receiver can evaluate whether the issue is important enough for them to pick up the phone. Mm-hmm. We think that's essential and we think it's especially essential with clients. Text messaging to clients is something that is not done very often in the legal industry and it's odd that it's not. Most industries, when you see the dental industry, the medical industry, picking up SMS directly yeah. to the clients, and that has not happened um, in the legal industry. So that's mm-hmm. something is a big deal. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's a good point you make as well about other industries. Well, lawyers are slow to catch up anyway, and we'll talk about that later on in the podcast as well. So I think this was a good start, but I'm a little tired from killing email and everything. I don't know about you, Ryan. Um, we're going to take a break. When we get back, we'll address some broader topics with Ryan Anderson of Big Horn Law and Filefine. Now, 
Now, this is normally the space in our show when we offer words from our sponsors, and this potentially represents a unique opportunity for you. The Legal Toolkit is seeking sponsors. You can hear your advertisement right here. If you're interested, contact the team at Legal Talk Network at info at legaltalknetwork.com. All right, welcome back. We're joined today by Ryan Anderson of Bighorn Law and Filevine, and we're talking about the death of email, the rise of productivity, and how he makes his employees feel uncomfortable. <laughs> Boy, I hope they never listen. <laughs> so part of what we've been talking about to this point is how legal technology applications change the way lawyers communicate, or can change the way lawyers communicate, I should say. So I think the hallmark of a lot of modern legal technology that's been developed is ease of use. So how important do you think it is that modern law firm technology be simple and easy to use? I think it's critical uh, for a couple different reasons. Number one, you have lawyers who, quite frankly, uh, many of them didn't grow up in the digital age. They're Mm -hmm. comfortable with paper. They're comfortable with paper files. And if you can't uh, have a system that kind of looks and feels like they want it to look and feel, then simply you're just not going to get adoption. And I think that's the big reason a lot of these tools fail is, you know, you'll have two or three kind of champions at a firm for a new particular software. um, But, you know, two or three of the lawyers, perhaps one of the partners says, well, I'm not using it. And then no one can use it because if you don't have adoption within a firm – Everyone's going to say, well, geez, we kind of go to the lowest common denominator, which mm-hmm. tends to be, mm-hmm. by the way. <laughs> Outlook, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so that, that's why a lot of this happens is you get a, a failure of adoption and it really just takes adoption away entirely. So yeah. that's one reason. Number two, I look at the, the disconnect between how much lawyers are willing to spend on making their office environment uh, nice and comfortable and a place where they want to be and spend time. And, you know, and then I look at some of the legal software that's been built over the past 20 years and, and, and you think, my goodness, they're staring at this screen all day in a beautiful office, um, but the screen looks like it was designed in the 90s. And in fact, it was in some cases. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we've made a, a real big push to make Filevine as nice to look at as possible. We spent a lot of time on that. We, we continue to refine that. We believe that the user interface is actually the most critical part of the product. Because you really kind of live in, in the software when you're working at a law firm nowadays. And especially with remote work and things like that, yep, you want yep. to be looking at a screen where you're comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are great points. So what do we like about the 90s, the Smashing Pumpkins? What do we dislike? Legal software. But as you indicate, the software is getting better. So in an environment where software is being improved, where it's becoming easier to use, why are lawyers still so slow to adopt new technologies that, that can ultimately improve their productivity? You know, I deal with this all the time. I was just at a legal conference this weekend, um, and there are definitely lawyers who are slow to adopt. I think the, the biggest issue is really path dependence. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a way that things are done and to change the way that things are done requires that they invest some time in a new structure and a new infrastructure, a new system. Yeah. And that business interruption is often unacceptable to a mm-hmm. lot of attorneys. And and look, I understand that. I would borrow a quote from uh, one of my favorite books, which is the E-Myth, uh, and just say, you know, you got to spend some time working on your business, not just in your business. Um, yeah. Just going out every day and being a lawyer and doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it is great. I love being a lawyer, but I 
think it, at the end of the day, you got to say, hey, wait a second, we need to take some time out to build better systems and better infrastructure around the firm. And those investments pay off tenfold down the road. So I, I think the biggest problem is path dependence. I think there are other issues as well. Uh, I think there's you know some security concerns, which in my opinion, are just not well-founded in today's environment. And then there's also, you know, lawyers just are more comfortable with paper. They like paper evidence. They like paper files. <laughs> they grew up around paper. They like books. Uh, and I think, you know, that's, that's something that will change over time. But I guess you're quoting books too, so that's good. So we're, we're, we, we've got like a good symbiotic thing going on right now. There you go. Um, yeah. So even though there are lawyers who don't embrace technology, many, there, there are a lot of lawyers who are tech forward, and I should mention that as well. So let's talk a little bit about what new technology applications mean for the future of law practice. How is this going to affect generally the way lawyers practice, say, 10, 20 years from now? Yeah, so I'm really excited about where the future of law is headed. I think that you're going to see less brick-and-mortar firms. Mm -hmm. I think you will see a lot more attorneys working remotely. Uh, That happens now, but boy, I think that trend is in the beginning stages. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, When you look at some of the tools that are available now, you can do so much remotely that you really just don't need to be in an office as much. And and what Mm -hmm. I also think you'll see is as, as you see kind of um, project management tools proliferate, lawyers will begin to form teams that have nothing to do with the firm structure. So, and in, in you can do this on Filevine. I think you can do it on other uh, types of software as well, mm-hmm. where you can form teams um, around a particular legal case. So, you know, in Filevine, you could say, hey, we're all working on this particular case. Um, and it has nothing to do with which firm you're with. Uh, you just invite the people that are stakeholders in that case to the file, and everybody's kind of communicating, collaborating with various permission levels right there in that case. And what I think is going to end up happening is lawyers are going to say, boy, you know, I really don't need to be in a firm environment necessarily to work like that. And so I think you're going to see a lot more freelancing. I think you'll see a lot more lawyers kind of join up with, you know, kind of squads of, of lawyers that are there for a particular project and then move on to the next one. I think that's yeah. where this is going. Go what ahead. role do you think legal education is going to play in the way that lawyers practice in the future? Yeah. So I, I, I look back at my law school time, which I loved, by the way. Um, Fondly, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe not so much the first year. But, uh, <laughs> but I look back at it and I think, you know, everything I do today at my law firm is focused on teams and team communication, collaboration, moving things through a team process. Mm -hmm. And none of that occurred in law school. You know, law school is kind of a cutthroat, individualistic atmosphere. You get individual scores, you get individual grades, you get individual uh, awards. And so I I think in the future, hopefully we'll have more law schools promoting team-based projects. I was uh, lucky enough to speak out at uh, Legal Tech in Washington, D.C., and, um, you know, there was a big movement for uh, law schools to work on cases uh, as groups. And so we're going to work on it together and, you know, teams of three or four students. And actually, because that's actually how it works in a real law firm. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. Very few law firms just say, hey, go be an academic and we're OK with that. Um, mm-hmm. That's usually not how it works. So I, I'm a big fan of where that's going. And I think it's uh, the right move for law schools. This is, I think we just stepped into the Lego movie here. Everything is awesome when you're part of the team, right? <laughs> you guys play that at the office? <laughs> yes, we do. We do <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Well, unfortunately, it's sad because I'm having a good time talking to Ryan here, but we've reached the end of another episode of the Legal Toolkit. 
Now, if you're feeling nostalgic for our prior episodes or other shows or an episode that Ryan talked about, you can check out all of our shows anytime you want at LegalTalkNetwork.com. So, big thank you to Ryan Anderson of Filevine and Bighorn Law for taking the time to come by the virtual studio today to talk about email management, legal technology, the future of law, cycling, and etc. Now, Ryan, can you tell our listeners where they might be able to find out more about you, about Filevine, and about Bighorn? Absolutely. So, I'm on Twitter at, at RyanM underscore Anderson. Uh, and then you can learn about Filevine by just going to Filevine, F-I-L-E-V-I-N-E dot com. And Bighorn Law is just BighornLaw.com. Thanks again, Ryan. Thank you, Jared. And thanks to everybody out there for continuing to listen to my inane blather against the backdrop of the wisdom of our various regular guests. Thanks for listening to Legal Toolkit, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join Heidi and Jared for their next podcast, covering the current business trends for law firms. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.